Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room to talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I'm not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I'm just an average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. Discussing Come Follow Me with others helps me in my conversion. I hope you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing your insights. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 38, following along with Be Reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians chapters 1-7. through 7. And in the introduction, it says, Sometimes being a church leader means having to say some difficult things. This was true in Paul's day, just as it is today. Apparently, a previous letter from Paul to the Corinthian saints included chastening and caused hurt feelings. In the letter that became 2 Corinthians, he tried to explain what had motivated his harsh words. Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. When you're on the receiving end of some correction from a leader, it definitely helps to know that it is inspired by Christ-like love. And even in those cases where it is not, if we are willing to see others with the kind of love Paul felt, it's easier to respond appropriately to any offenses. As Elder Jeffrey R. Holland counseled, be kind regarding human frailty, your own as well as those, as, as well as that of those who serve with you in a church led by volunteer mortal men and women. Except in the case of his only perfect begotten son, imperfect people are all God has ever had to work with. I love that. I love that introduction, and I love the lessons that we can gain and things that we can work on just from this introduction. Um, it's super easy to be to become offended, and it's super easy to offend. And um, there, there are two, I don't know, there's a lot of risks, actually. A lot of risks and dangers uh, just in having relationships with anyone is that we are prone to offend or to get offended. I'm someone who loves, uh, I love to be funny. I love jokes and I love comedy. And in comedy, it's extremely easy to um, to make those mistakes, to offend people. And have to make corrections, but also sometimes, uh, sometimes the joke is just, it's like you can't serve every audience type of thing. Um, cause a lot of comedy, the, the goal or the point is to point out human flaws. And that's why it's funny is because you can relate to it. You can recognize it and understand it. And so, um, this is relevant to me because I just posted something on my Instagram, my personal Instagram, uh, that I was trying to tease drivers of certain cars. And uh, most people understood it for the joke that it was. And uh, some people were, were slightly offended. And I made sure that when I was thinking of that joke that I was going to tell, that I wasn't going after anybody, right? Because it's it's all about your intentions. A lot of it is your intentions. Uh, you know, if you're trying to offend people, then when you achieve that goal, right, you know, a joke. Anyway, I digress on the comedy thing. Point being, um, it's easy to offend. It's easy to be offended. I've been offended uh, because of church leaders. I remember sp specifically there was an elders quorum president when I was the um, assistant. I was an assistant clerk in an Orem ward. And I remember the elders quorum president uh, one time. Lex and I had been out of town for a couple weeks. And he had sent me while we were on vacation. Uh, an email with some records that needed to be either moved or added in or, or something. And I remember 
when I, I received the email while on vacation and said to myself, I will take care of this when I get back. And uh, when we got back that very next Sunday, he came and found me um, on my way to the clerk's office to, to take care of it. And he said, hey, did you see the email that I sent you? And I said, I sure did. I'm just about to go take care of it. And I said, sorry, I didn't get to it sooner. I was I was on vacation. And he said, well, I'm sure you have internet on vacation, right? And it just kind of, that statement dangled there for a minute. And I looked at him, and he wasn't kidding. He wasn't trying to do a joke or anything. He was really serious. It was for him. Why did I not take care of that the moment he sent the email? Whereas for me, I was like, I was with my family. Uh, I certainly could have taken care of it on vacation, but I wasn't going to. And um, I I took a moment to just like, I was like, uh, yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it was. And I'll take care of that right away. And he just left. He didn't say anything after that. He kind of gave me a stern look and then and left. Um, Lex happened to have been in the hall when that happened and, and came in and was like, did he just say what I think he said? And I said, yep, sir, sure did. And then she was offended and was upset on my behalf and was ready to go say something to him, to which I was like, no, 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 no. Let's just keep peaceful relations. And um, quite frankly, the entire time we were in th that ward, I think it was like close to either a year or half a year that we were still in that ward and he was the eldest, that certain individual was that eldest corn president. Um, I had a tough time anytime I had to work with him um, because he never, not that I expected an apology or anything, but that's just kind of was his attitude. His attitude was the that your calling is the number one thing in life, even over family. Like you don't put off your church calling. Um, and I did not see, I do not see it. And I didn't see it that same way. Um, I think it's important to magnify your callings, but at the end of the day, your first assignments to your family, uh, and going on vacation and stepping away is a very important and healthy thing. And don't need to be worried about your calling on vacation unless you're going on like a six month hiatus or something, but that's a different story. Anyway, um, we just saw things differently and I had to step back and recognize that, that, uh, he took his calling as the eldest corn president extremely seriously. And that he wanted to make sure to magnify his calling in that way. Uh, while I, while we obviously him and I didn't become friends at all, <laughs> Uh, I still, that story, I still think of that story as like, um, to me, I felt like he was missing the mark. And again, he thought that I was missing the mark and we don't, didn't then and probably don't now see eye to eye on that. Um, I did have other experiences with him where I was able to step back and recognize that he was not trying to, to be a bully to me. That was just how he sees things. And more often than not, uh, genuinely more often than not, unless someone truly is just a bully of a person and those people exist. Um, but as adults, it's rare. More often than not, we just have different life experiences, different ways, different upbringings. Um, we have different priorities. And when we're able to step back and recognize that your priorities are not going to be my priorities, uh, the way I view certain categories or topics of life, 
are not going to be the same as you do. And we can appreciate and recognize those differences among us. We will find less and less reasons to be offended. And we can also kind of grind against each other and work together to be able to create great outcomes. Uh, If everyone had the exact same priorities, to me, it would be incredibly boring. And also, we wouldn't learn anything from each other. We, when, when you have a group of people who are all on the same page, while it's easy to have peace, it's also very difficult to have growth. And it's that very thing that I want to focus on in this lesson, which in section one says, my trials can be a blessing. It is through trials that we have growth and that we grow. And in the lesson, it says, given everything Paul faced during his life, it's not surprising that he wrote a lot about the purposes and blessings of tribulation. And as we read 2 Corinthians, think about ways your trials can be a blessing. For example, you might ponder how God comforteth you in all your tribulation and how you can, in turn, comfort them which are in trouble. Or you might focus on how the light of Christ, light of Jesus Christ, hath shined in your heart even when you were troubled and perplexed. I pondered a lot about trials through this lesson. And two scriptures stand out that really focus the majority of my thoughts. First is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. It says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I love that those those couple verses because our trials should lead to us glory glorifying and to the glory of God. Um, we suffer so that we can be able to relate to Christ. Um, the, the atonement of Jesus Christ is often said that it's it was the way for Christ to be able to not only uh, redeem us and save us, but also to be able to understand everything we go through. To me, also, in, in a very parallel manner, we suffer so that we can understand what Christ went through for us. Um, some of the suffering is brought on by ourselves and by our sin. Other suffering is brought on simply because that's what happens in this mortal state and in this mortal frame. Other suffering is brought on because of having to, again, what the introduction says, and as the story I highlighted from being offended... We have to deal with one another. We have to deal with imperfect people. And because of that, we're going to have pain and struggles and strife as we work together to become that perfect people. You don't just start out perfect. You have to work towards it and and work towards building those relationships. It's extremely difficult. Uh, Just... Again, I've, I've, I've repeated this in several podcasts. It remains to be true. And so as it remains to be true, I'll continue to share it, which is that even just in marriage, two people striving to create a perfect relationship is, is near impossible. Um, because I actually want to hang out with Lex. I actually want to, to be with her. And our priorities, our upbringings are not the same. And so when I'm put with, you know, in a situation where I have to be someone who I don't want to be with, who I don't want to hang out with or or have to work with, 
it's everything in me to to not be like, okay, we're just we're just gonna call it. We're calling it quits. I don't want to work with you. I'm just not gonna come to whether it's back to church. I could have decided that I wasn't gonna go back to church because of that one elders quorum president. Um and I'd be lying if I said that thought hadn't crossed my mind back then. It did. Um, but obviously I knew what not all, the not, not just the right thing to do, but what I wanted to do and what I wanted to stand for was. And so we obviously went back to church and there were still more uncomfortable situations that happened with that elder scorn president. Just never honestly to the same degree as, is, is that one where I was a little frustrated, but, um, and I'm glad I did because I think it would have the consequences of not going back would have been, uh, set me on a, a very dangerous path for my own life and for my family. And also Lex just would have let me, I married a good woman. That's been honestly the key to my success to this point in life. Um, the other scripture is second Corinthians chapter four, 17 to 18. It says for our light of, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is why we go through the trials and the pains and the suffering of this life. This highlights perfectly the process of faith that will lead us to what it is that we want, that eternal glory. Um, but I have a, a further question. Well, I think it's those are two beautiful verses. I love it. I even want to like print them out and put them somewhere just as a reminder. The question immediately is how do we how do we keep our focus on eternal things? Because I don't know about you, but it, it's really hard for me to keep that focus, especially 24-7. Even when we make covenants each Sunday, uh, when we renew covenants every Sunday, and that we'll remember Christ always, even doing that every single week, remembering Jesus all the time is very difficult. So how do we do it? A key for me personally has been keeping my focus in the scriptures and reading the scriptures daily and not just for a couple minutes. Um, it, I know that it's one of those things. Don't keep yourself to a bar of like, well, I have to read 30 minutes or an hour every day. And cause there are times in life where it's just, that's extremely difficult to pull off. Uh, sometimes you just don't have that, that time to be able to read the scripture. So definitely do what you can, but I recognize there's a huge difference in, when I give the focus, when I make the focus of my day, starting off by reading my scriptures. And if I have to wake up early to do that, because I have an early day or a, um, yeah, an, an early day or a lot going on, then I have to do it. Um, I've learned that by making those sacrifices, it makes all the difference in the world. But I can also tell you that just reading the scriptures every day or making that focus, as much as I have a testimony of it, I am far from perfect at it. I, the reason I know I'm able to highlight the difference so much is because I daily and weekly recognize the differences in my day when I don't. It's not because I occasionally miss misreading scriptures. There's sometimes where even recently I went for about a week without reading the scripture and it was like the worst week ever. And I was like, why? 
the frustrating thing for me was I asked myself, why, why was my week so bad? Why was it so rough? And because there was nothing, you know, I may have a lot going on in my life, but there was nothing specifically that should have made it where I was like just feeling down and discouraged and uh, just didn't, I didn't have a, that eternal flame of hope burning in my heart. And I asked myself, what the heck happened? And honestly, it was just because I didn't read my scriptures that week, like the entire week. And so it kind of started com- compounding every day. Got The feeling got worse and worse and a little bit kind of like a depressed feeling. And so the very next week, I made a commitment to change that, get back into reading scriptures. And just within two days, it didn't happen the first day, in two days of reading my scriptures, I had that same kind of cheerfulness and, and hope that I've come to rely on and to uh, have confidence when I have that feeling. When I got that back, I was like, oh my gosh, it's it's such a simple thing. It's just reading my scriptures. Uh, and even if I don't have a great day uh, of reading my scriptures, meaning I don't have that, oh, I got so much from this, this scripture, this, even when it's not what feels like an impactful day of reading scriptures, the difference is just monumental in my life. And yes, saying prayers uh, and saying real meaningful and intentional prayers absolutely helps. But seriously, the key for me, at least, has been those days that I read my scripture. Prayer alone is not enough. Um, going to church is not enough. I have to daily be in the scriptures, be spending that time um, learning and being in God's words. That's the key. It's a simple one. I I I know that you've you've probably had this lesson in Sunday school, right? Where they're like the primary answers um, are perfect because they're so simple and they're true. And it really is such a small thing makes such a huge difference in my life. It also helps me to not focus 100% on my trials or the misery of the trials I'm going through. When I'm able to read the scriptures, it's full of examples of people who went through harder things than I have, who kept that bright hope so I can learn from them and how they did it. And then it's honestly where the Holy Ghost is interacting with me the most and having those experiences are very sacred to me. I love them. I seek after those things. And it feels like when I'm not in the scriptures, I, my desires change where I'm, I'm just not caring as much. I'm like, oh, I haven't felt you know, the presence of the Holy Ghost today. Oh, well, right. And I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel where I want the Holy Ghost with me 24-7. So being focused in the scriptures is that key. Um, and also just one thought, one comment on where your focus is, right? I said don't focus so much on your trials. It's really hard not to, especially when we're going through some of the, the hardest trials of our life or, or when our trials are always prevalent. I just ran a half marathon a couple weekends ago. And as I was running, um, in the first three or four miles, I was feeling fine, right? I had trained enough that my body was not upset in the first three or four miles. Felt good. As we hit mile five, my mind started to be like, oh my gosh, I'm only at mile five. I'm not even halfway. This race is going to be forever. (laughs) It's only a half marathon. It wasn't a marathon. And as you know, kept up my spirits though from mile five to mile six. It's like, we can do this. We got this. Starting around mile six, 
I started to have to fight off that, like, what the crap am I doing? Can I just quit? Can I be done? And I threw a very minimal training. I did not train very hard for this half marathon, and I have regrets for that. I also didn't have the right shoes, and that's a different story. But as I started to, I knew through my minimal training that around halfway was when the mental battle started, but my body was actually fine. And so if I could just push past two miles of that mental battle, I'd get through it and would start feeling hope again because then I'm more than halfway through, which meant that everything else was just a mile closer to finishing. And so I was able to maintain that, get through that. Um, Once I hit mile 10, it was the the course had changed because it was a primarily downhill course, but also the, so then it changed at mile 10 to be either flat or even slightly uphill, which was, it's really tough to fight a mental battle when you're like, what the crap is happening? Why is my elevation changing to, to go upwards? This isn't cool. Uh, my feet were killing my, my legs were killing. And as I tried to have that battle, that fight to keep running and to not stop or to slow down or even just to walk, it became near impossible. And at mile 11, I did have to walk. And then I was trying to, you know, fight with myself. Ultimately, I finished the half marathon. I finished it 10 minutes faster than the very first one I ever ran. Um, which, in fairness, I had done zero training for that. So 10 minutes felt like an awesome thing. It was still slow time, so I'm not even going to tell you what time I finished with. It wasn't very good, but I was happy with it. I tell you that story, though, not just to t- talk about how awesome I was for running a half marathon. No, I tell you that because life and our trials are very much uh, similar to anything as miserable as something like a half marathon, right? Like anything that brings that much pain or misery, it's going to be the exact same. We have these segments, these periods of time through our trials where we're able to maintain focus and be like, I've got this. I've gone through this before, especially the older we get. We often can recognize the like, the periods of of each trial, or it's like, okay, I've gone through something similar, and I remember how I handled it then. We can continue to handle it that way now. Um, but then we encounter new things, new pains, new difficulties that we haven't before, and that mental and spiritual battle become harder. And if we do not have our focus on Jesus Christ, if we don't have our focus on the promises through the scriptures that have that that are made for those who endure to the end, who keep going, who keep persevering. If we don't keep that focus, then the risk is far more than having to slow down to a walk. And if we ever stop, if we ever stop on this journey, we'll never reach the finish line. Too many people right now are stopping. They're, they've come to the end of their trials. They lose hope. They lose faith and say, you know what? It's not worth it and I don't want to continue. And uh, less than a year after, when they they stop um, enduring in their faith, they're like, oh, I'm so much happier. Unfortunately, and this is just a true principle of life, of eternity, uh, of God, is that we are not ultimately happier when we don't endure trials and when we don't endure in the faith. Um, Maybe for a time, because you have that relief, and there is a relief. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a relief that comes from no longer like enduring trials, right? Obviously. Um, but we are naturally as 
spirit sons and spirit daughters of God have in us, in our, in our spiritual DNA, in our genetics, a need to progress, a need to achieve our full potential. And if our full potential, we know, is to be joint heirs with Christ, learn this from Romans, if our, if our eternal potential is to be joint heirs with Christ, to receive eternal life and have all that the Father has for us to inherit, if that's our full potential, and he's told us the only way for us to be able to achieve that and to reach it, it means that we cannot stop in our journey. We cannot keep enduring. It's okay to slow down. Scriptures tell us to not run faster than we can run or walk. Like if you're, if you feel like you're drowning, and I've heard a lot of people specifically, they'll receive callings and everything else in their life seems to be crumbling and falling apart. It's okay to go and, and counsel with your bishop and say, I need some help. It, it, he might not give the counsel to just like release you or to be done. Um, but certainly the spirit will guide that conversation to help you receive what you need. And sometimes you might have too much on your plate. You got to take some stuff off your plate. There's nothing wrong with that. Often the spirit will give you a bigger plate because that's how it's been for me. And I know that's how it'll be for you. Our trials truly will and are a blessing because it makes us better people. We're more empathetic. We're more loving. More, we're more kind and I'm getting to the point, I know it's crazy, I'm only 30, but I am getting to the point in life where I'm starting to see and recognize that the things that I've suffered through, the things that I go through, weren't ultimately just for me. They have helped me to counsel others, to help others have a hope, knowing that they will get through it too, uh, because I did it, I'm nothing special. So if I'm nothing special, and I made it through trials and was able to do it through faith, then I know that those same principles work for you and for everyone else. My testimony ultimately is that this life, God does not want us to fail. He does not want you to fail and he's not going to let you fail, but you have to rely on him and you have to trust him because Satan wants you to fail. And if you do exactly what Satan's wanting you to do, then I promise you, you'll fail. And so stay with the person and the, and the parent who doesn't want you to fail and rely that even though it feels like sometimes those trials that you're going through feels like you're going to fail. God doesn't want you to fail, so he's not going to let you fail. I invite you to look at your uh, your blessings this week as, as opposed to looking at your trials. Focus on your blessings and make a specific goal to do that. Share with a loved one what you're going to do and then invite them to do the same. Thanks for joining my family room discussion, and until we meet again, have a blessed week.